I can't imagine any circumstance under which I would hope that Donald Trump would be our president again. Uh, I don't think he's likely to be helpful to the Republican Party if he's our nominee. I'd like to see someone else. You know, there are a number of really fine people that are running. Uh, I think character matters and a vision for the future matters. I'd like to see someone from the next generation, not an old guy like me. And uh, by the way, I, yeah, I wish President Biden would step aside too, but you know, my wishes don't seem to be coming true. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. Admit, none of our wishes seem to be coming true, at least not when it comes to the political entertainment complex that we all have to deal with on a daily basis. Welcome in, everybody. How are you? It is the Stone on Air podcast for August 17th, 2023. Lots to get to today, and I kind of change things up on the fly. The format will be messed with just a little bit, which I will explain Coming up very shortly. And I will now start that explanation this moment. Um, both my rejoins, I messed up. And uh, as of last night, I still wasn't sure which segment was going to be what. And then that all changed since then until now. So what I'm going to do is what I would traditionally do on the open, I'm going to do in the second segment, which is stories and commentary. And uh, in the final segment of the show, I'm going to give you the, uh, the, the review, if you will, of the trip to Helena. It is. I was calling it Helena, Alabama last week. I believe it is Helena, Alabama. And the Cracker and the Bloodkin show. I will uh, just not very long. We'll spend a lot of time on it. And here in the open, I'm going to primarily stick to two main topics. And we'll see how long this takes. And I, I literally was going through social media for probably a solid hour just trying to find some audio to use. That's how really TikTok has the the algorithm is just not working like it used to and Twitter's algorithm hasn't worked in forever and I virtually never get any any audio or anything worth a damn from Facebook because I've primarily weeded that out to just um you know posts from people I know and 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 that's fine. That's what I need Facebook to be. So I was getting quite frustrated, and um, I decided to scratch what I came up with, at least a third of the pieces of audio that I would normally run in around 10 minutes or so from now, and then speak about them, and um, I'll use two of those here shortly. But first, here on the open, I want to start with um, Dixie Fuller, Joe Dixie Fuller is his name, and the owner of Zarzars, a longtime uh, member of the Friends of the Festival employee, I guess I should say, for Riverbend, and years and years of uh, guitar teching and roadieing with uh, bands that you've heard of. Primarily, he speaks mostly of his time with the band Alabama. And I have a very uh, interesting relationship with Dixie Fuller. I hope. It is with mutual respect. I I certainly like Joe Dixie. I very, very much respect him. But I was such um, a Riverbend hater and so strongly a Riverbend hater for several years. Most everybody involved with the Friends of the Festival did not like me on some level. And uh, more on that here in a minute. The reason for bringing it up he is selling Zarzars, the lunch spot over on the south side near Rossville Avenue. It's been there for 106 years. And I was um, going to do this anyway at some point, uh, but I'll do it now. There are so many things that are, uh, I guess, indigenous is the word I'm looking forward to Chattanooga that I have never done. When it comes to things like you've heard of uh, quickly, the Incline, I've never rode the Incline. Uh, Ruby Falls, I've never been to Ruby Falls. I have been to Rock City countless times, 
And there's so many other things that this city is so well known for that it's just one of those, I'll get to it someday kind of deals. And I never do. And one of the things I've never done is eaten at Zarzar's. By all accounts that I know uh, from just hearing people talk about it, kind of a meat and three kind of place. You can get a burger, likely get yourself a club sandwich. I mean, I'm making this stuff up. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that's generally how this um, how this dive has worked. And and I, I will try to make sure I go because he is selling the property and uh, Joe tells stories on I'm calling him Joe I mean sorry Dixie that's what everybody knows him by and I'm not friends with him enough to call him anything other than what everybody else calls him by but he tells great stories on his uh, Facebook page I've enjoyed reading those over the years most of them with his involvement with uh, Alabama but many other bands uh, ZZ Top I know he's discussed before and I, I, I don't have any of those lists in front of me, and my memory is not going to be good enough to remember. But um, a very, very accomplished and interesting dude. And um, I mean, I don't really think I'm speaking out of turn here, as he is very open on uh, social media. His wife passed away, uh, Shannon, a year and a half, maybe going on almost two years ago, of uh, cancer. And that was really, really hard on him, as uh, we could all imagine, barely imagine. And uh, being let go from Riverbend once the 2020, you know, COVID fallout ridiculousness destroyed so many people's lives. And that was really hard on him as well. And he has also been open about that, as well as his financial difficulties since then. And uh, I say more power to you, Joe Dixie Fuller, if this is what you need to do. If I were in your shoes, I feel like I likely would do the same. This is from the Chattanooga.com. Owner of the 106-year-old Zarzars is selling the property. The restaurant will remain open until the sale. He said on on a Facebook post that losing his longtime job at Riverbend and the death of his wife, Shannon, quote, damn near killed me. More from his Facebook. It says, I'm sorry for letting our dedicated customers and our lifelong friends down, but it is virtually impossible to make the money work, and I'm trying my best to have some quality in my retirement. Mary, who has been running the, I don't have her last name, but she's been the one who's been running the store day to day, or the restaurant, I should say. Mary and I have spent a lot of time searching through our souls, and yes, there have been tears shed. We see no choice but to sell. We love you guys so much for supporting us in our day-to-day business, and we really thank you for helping us through Shannon's passing, as you all know that Zarzars was her passion. Thanks, guys. 106 years is a good run for any business. I hope someone can beat that. Love you all, Dixie. And so that's a a bit of an apology uh, for the most part, which I say, Dixie, you don't owe anybody. You've done amazing work in this city from an entertainment standpoint, from a hospitality standpoint. You're um, borderline legendary status. I don't know how old he is. I'm guessing he is in his mid-60s maybe early 60s, somewhere in that range. Dude, retire. It's okay. You don't owe anybody anything. I understand losing something that's been in your family that long is going to be difficult. And I say I can understand. I I can't actually understand. I can only somewhat try to imagine it. But, um, yeah, I, I say, man, do that. That property is worth so much now that his home is right next door to that property, from what I understand as well, which is just going to make it that much more valuable. And yes, what are they going to do with it? The the brilliant developers in this town and the out-of-town equity property buying-up management companies, what are they going to do? They're going to build some stupid-looking par- apartments or a crappy uh, condo complex or maybe an- another boutique hotel. Who knows? For those of us that are that are in love with this city and the way that we know it and what we love about it, it's going to suck, all right? But it's very, very valuable property. Sell it, retire, and continue to tell your stories and continue to live the, the remaining years of your life with as much enjoyment and cash as you possibly can. So I don't think there needs to be any apologizing done here. And um, I will definitely try to grab a burger before it's all said and done. But to quickly, uh, before I get on to the second part of this segment here on the open, just a couple of things with the relationship that I had with Dixie 
is that I was so close with Jeff through all these years, even Styles, even when I was being kind of hateful towards Riverbend, I would I was always team Jeff and Jeff was always on my side as well. So when Dixie would be around, I know he did it begrudgingly at times was uh, as far as being friendly to me, but he always was to his credit, no matter how irritated he was. And maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. Maybe he didn't think about it. I don't know, but I almost impossible not to, especially when Karen Showstack, appropriately named Karen, who tried to get me fired from my day job of nearly 20 years at that time. It's a long story. I've told it here, but it had to do with Riverfront Nights. I got called into the principal's office at work. It turned into one of those, uh, hey, uh, yeah, we hear you're on the radio talking spit about uh, Riverfront Nights, which we were a sponsor of, the beer company. And, uh, bro, I haven't been on the radio in years. What do you mean I was on the radio talking about, talking junk about a sponsored event that we that we are involved in? What are you talking? It's nonsense. It's that... You know, that children's exercise of whispering somebody's ear, go down the row and see what comes out on the other end. And she was furious with me. She made it very clear in person to my face on social media and through the grapevine to try. I mean, if this was not this is not my imagination and this is not my conjecture. And Karen was just as much involved with Bob Payne, Dixie Fuller. You know, it, it, once uh, Chip Baker finally decided to somewhat acknowledge that I existed, the guy didn't like me, but the feel, the feeling there was a mutual from the jump. I hate that guy. But Dixie always was really cordial and cool. And it was, I believe it was 2018. It might have been 2019. Stratton Tingle with Soundcore, the uh, governmentally funded uh, music initiative that is questionable as to how uh, important it is but I'm still a, a supporter he had me on a panel that was talking the local music scene it was it was really cool I was really happy to be involved very, very uh, uh, flattered to be asked to be involved it was Mike Dewar it was Chris Cobb it was uh, Courtney Holder it was myself and Dixie Fuller and Stratton didn't know any better or any different but that was at the time when when Riverbend was really reeling they were really back on their heels with how bad things were and this was before covid and things were really circling the, the the toilet bowl they absolutely were and i was probably putting my foot on the gas pedal pretty hard and hoping for their demise and he sat us me and dixie next to each other not only were we sitting next to each other, we were sharing a microphone. So it was absolutely awkward as hell because at that point we had not had any, it'd been a while since there had been any real conversation or interaction between the two of us. Since then, plenty more. Years before that, plenty of it. But it had been a while and that, that, oven that burner was was getting hot of like this guy will not shut up we're all worried about our jobs we're worried about this festival going under and this asshole won't shut up about how much he hates us screw that guy that was absolutely a thing and he couldn't have been cooler and I feel like I was very very cordial and cool as well and it was a fun panel and it looked good and it sounded good but it was kind of like, a, oh, Stratton, dude, of all the people you could have sat me next to, I know everybody on this panel and, and every other one on the panel are actually pretty good friends of mine. And you sat me on the very end right next to the guy who probably hates my guts. But uh, that's even more of a, of a kudos and a thank you to Dixie for how cool he is. Go eat at Zarzar's before things closed down. Okay, so transitioning to the second half of this open, which will probably run, not probably run long, will definitely run long. So I'm uh, skipping the uh, realist thing. I don't even remember what it was. I'm going to go straight to the worst idea. And I was only going to mention it, but now I'm going to spend a few more minutes on it because of the how viral this has gotten. It is the latest song um, with the airing of grievances to a certain degree to take off on social media and have everybody talking. Dude's name is uh, Anthony. What is it? Shit. Sorry. Um, Oliver Anthony or is it Anthony Oliver? No, it is Oliver Anthony. 
And if you care, you've already heard the song. And if you care enough, you'll go find it. Won't take you any amount of time. I don't have it pulled to play right now or any time for the show right now. That was just because I didn't plan on it yesterday. And now is record time and I don't have it now. And it's just that's how it's going to stay. Not because I don't want you to hear it or because it's that terrible of a song. Because really, it's not terrible, except it is. It's just it's so disappointing where this song where it started and where it went and what it could have been. And this is also coming again from the same thing I talked about the other week about the dumb Jason Aldean song from being a songwriter and understanding how to do it. It disappoints me when somebody has such a good start or a good idea and just it's like the train just jumped track 29 and went barreling down a hill and exploded into a, you know, a monster inferno of a mess when it, it didn't have to. It didn't have to be so simplistically stupid. And that's what happened with this thing. First of all, before I go any further, I will play what I originally called today's worst idea. This is just somebody on TikTok who hated it. It was really long. I chopped it way down. You'll hear now as I play today's worst idea. For people like me, people like you, wish I could just wake up and it not be true. Okay, let's talk about it. First off, I want to say this is a brilliant title and a brilliant song. Absolutely. Mostly. Richmond, north of Richmond, I wish I wrote that. But I didn't. Oliver Anthony did. And you know what? 80-90% of the song, I was like, yes, get it. But I'm really trying to figure out how we went from critiquing rich politicians in Washington to ragging on poor fat people. What's the connection, bro? And it goes on and on, so I just fast forward it. And this song, it's just confused, man. You're confused. Why else in your song would you have your two enemies of the song be rich politicians and fat poor people? Make it make sense, dude. Yeah, that's the problem with me, too. Um, when I first heard it, I, I thought it was a parody. I thought it was just somebody screwing around. And then I thought, huh, all right, all right, sound. It's got that um, uh, Tyler Childers, Sturgill Simpson, Chris Stapleton uh, kind, of, uh, kind of feel to it. And then it, as I just mentioned, just completely jumped the rails. So first we'll read the, uh, the lyrics to rich man, excuse me, rich men north of Richmond, an incredible name of the song. I've been selling my soul working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back down and drown my troubles away. So far, nothing inherently wrong with that, except for a nitpick of a song. As a songwriter, I have always had a pet peeve of people who try or use the word twice as opposed to rhyming or words that somewhat sound similar. Going all the way back 35, 40 years ago to the Bon Jovi song, um, what is it, Wanted Dead or Alive? Um, I got a six string on my back. I play for keeps because I might not make it back. It's like, dude, back doesn't rhyme with back. It's just the same word twice. Sorry, I'll digress away from that, the least of anything I generally care about here. But anyway, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me and people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is. And then the chorus. Living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men north of Richmond, Lord knows they want to have total control. They want to know what you think, want to know what you do. And they don't think you know, but I know that you do. There you go again. Do and do does not rhyme. But anyway, because your dollar ain't shit and it's taxed to no end because of Richmond north of Richmond. That is beautiful. That is perfect. That is a perfectly well-crafted first verse and chorus of a poignant country style uh, Americana alt song. All right. This is where it jumps the tracks slowly. Well, slowly and then quickly. I wish politicians would look out for minors and not just minors on an island somewhere. I find it strange that he is so concerned that politicians are worried about or not worried about coal miners, but are worried about child miners in sex trafficking. Just seems like a bizarre comparison. Why are you worried about the minor children and sex trafficking, but not worried about the coal mi What are you doing, dude? It slowly starts falling down a slippery slope of nonsense. 
Lord, we get Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the obese milk and welfare. So, of course, you know this dude's daddy is a Reagan guy, and all the hatred and the uh, the, the war against welfare recipients from the 80s is where he gets that uh, ideology from. And here's where I just, the dude just completely loses it. Well, God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. It's just asinine. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground because all this damn country does is keep kicking them down. Even that's not a good lyric. Young men are killing themselves because, because this country keeps kicking them down. That's not true or at least in a suicide message of a song that is in no way an accurate or creative way of trying to convey that message, especially coming out of the rhyming 300 pounds with bags of fudge rounds. Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's coming to, and then that just it sings out the, uh, the chorus again. Once again, a very nice, well-crafted chorus. The song's just stupid, and it sucks that it starts off so with so much promise and ends in such buffoonery. And so I started bouncing around online to look at a few different things, and I'm just going to read you just a few short things from uh, a piece from The New Yorker just to give an idea of what one person was thinking. Don't even know who it is. And then a handful of things I found on Reddit, a subreddit called uh, Behind the Bastards, and then I'll move along to the second segment of the show. Depending on your politics, he is either a voice sent from heaven to express the anger of the white working class, or he is a wholly constructed vile creation who has arrived to serve up resentment with a thick folksy lacquering of Americana. More than anything, he reminds me of the type of country singer who sings old songs to great acclaim on American Idol, but who may ultimately struggle when it comes to cut a modern album. This is like a five-page piece. I'm just highlighted like you know two and a half paragraphs quote unquote authentic is a loaded word in music especially when it comes to country and the blues it's one of those things that you supposedly just know when you hear but there's a lot of image making that goes into all that honesty and then the final one from the final paragraph there are certainly better versions of the revanchist ethos found in richmond north of richmond but Anthony is neither the worst nor the most reactionary artist to sing about the plight of the common man. And to go to this subreddit and just have a little fun with it here. Uh, beautiful stripped-down melody and haunting vocals with a song singing the frustrations of the working class. Then it starts punching down hard. And it goes on to give the lyrics. This is what happens when you order Tyler Childers on Wish... Dot com. That's beautiful. That's perfect. Cole and Nose to the Grindstone are both infinitely better songs about the same thing. I knew Cole was a Tyler Childers song, and I assumed Nose to the Grindstone was as well. And uh, yes, this guy is a wannabe Tyler Childers type. I don't understand why this song is both pro and anti-government handouts. And so this comes from, they were talking about, uh, whoever they is, his bio on, um, on a, a Spotify. And it says something about living off the grid on 90 acres in Virginia. Okay, dude. You're so off the grid that you tell about it in your bio on Spotify. Literal humble brag. Just got 90 acres living humbly. Sounds like a pretty good spread for a hard-working, underpaid good old boy. This song gave, gave me whiplash. So close to getting to the point, but then suddenly turns and completely runs the opposite direction. Uh, this is in reference to the, the punch down, as they call it, uh, of the, the bag of fudge rounds idiocy. You give poor folks someone to punch down at, and they will ignore how bad they are being treated and the lack of actual difference between them and whoever they are standing on to feel better about themselves. Says he's got a good voice, clearly sincere and passionate, but the song itself, though, is just bad. The lyrics are clunky, overwrought, and far too literal. They do not leave enough room for the listener to imagine the rest. 
which is the best way for a listener to live within a three to four minute piece of work. And I thought that was perfect. We, you don't need to be so literal. Tell a story. Paint the mind with theater. Theater of the mind, as they call it, which this song has none of. This goes on to give all these facts about the poverty-stricken nature of Richmond, Virginia, and and the surrounding areas. And then it says at the very end, so what am I getting at? Maybe the problem isn't north of Richmond. Maybe the problem is in Richmond. I honestly thought this was a joke until I heard it on CNN earlier today. God, this shit annoys me. Guy's so close to figuring it out, but then he goes and starts putting down his fellow man. This guy clearly has some talent, too. What a waste. And the final two, I love his performance and passion and hate that he fell into the same stupid trap of accepting the story that was crafted by those rich men north of Richmond about welfare recipients. And then the final one here, shitty Tyler Childers. And uh, that's all I'll do on that. It's just unfortunate that he had to make what was potentially a really good song so stupid. And, well, that's what turns mediocre and marginal talent into a viral sensation, quite literally, overnight. The coolest thing just happens to be a good old boy who was actually at times a wordsmith and one hell of a painter of the theater of the mind and a storyteller. It's Ronnie Van Zant and his stripped-down raw vocals from Saturday Night Special. A two feet say come a-creepin' Like a black cat do And two bodies a-layin' naked A creeper think he got nothing to lose so he creeps into this house, yeah, and unlocks the door. And as a man's reaching for his trousers, a shoes him full of a 38 holes. A Mr. Saturday Night Special, got a barrel that's a blue and cold. They ain't good for nothing. But put a man six feet in a hole. How is that for lyrics and a painted story without fear or favor from a real patron, a real American, Ronnie Van Zant? Of course, I talk a lot of spit about Leonard Skinner. They have lots of stupid music, and they are absolutely a caricature. They might as well be out there with big bobbleheads on right now, running around with I'm with stupid t-shirts on with a bunch of band members that have no relation or connection to the actual band Leonard Skinner anymore. But back in the day, they were the ultimate Southern storytellers, as you likely already know all about that. All right, so long ass open, done. Transition to stories and commentary, and then I'll tell you about Helena, Alabama. It's all coming up next. I hope my testimony gets the facts, uh, you know, as they are, and helps to continue to paint a real and honest picture. But, but politically speaking, this is a pivot point for this country to do something more than just stew on the on, on the 2020 election cycle, right? We're either going to, as Republicans, take our medicine and realize the election wasn't rigged. Donald Trump was the worst candidate ever in the history of the party, even worse than Herschel Walker. And now we're going to have to pivot from there, right? We want to win an election in 2024. It's going to have to be somebody other than Donald Trump if we do it. So politically speaking, this is an important pivot point for our party, right? To go focus on the things that matter, to take this conversation to America, not to Twitter, not to 10-second sound bites, not to YouTube clips. This is taking this to the kitchen table. I think most Americans care about the economy. I think most Americans care about a forced border. I think most Americans care about national security and public safety. These are issues that we win as, as Republicans. As long as we make this about the, the three-ring circus called Donald Trump, we're going to lose every time and you don't have to go any further than georgia to see that play out that was lieutenant governor george dunn or excuse me jeff duncan at the time he was lieutenant governor in 2020 i think it's former now 
I don't remember why I even made that the rejoin. My bad. This is Bloodkin. Also should be playing this later. The song's called Trashy. It is brilliant. You want to talk about painting a picture? Here you go. Sometimes when we're down, we're levitating too. We're trashy, but we're true. But not a fan of this band anymore. And I'll expand in just a little bit. So, as I would normally do on the open, um, weather is fantastic. Hey, uh, David Glenn, best meteorologist in the southeast, feel free to take the rest of the week off. Bright sunshine. It is 83 degrees at record time. I'm cutting the grass tonight after I get done with this, and I almost can't wait. Um, and it's going to get hot into the weekend, but the humidity is down. No chance of rain until next week. This is what I'm talking about. I had the AC off today. It's a little warm in here, you know, granted. But turn the AC off for a day in August. Now, if I had a wife and kids, I couldn't get away. I couldn't get away with that. But it's still not on right now, and it's warm, but it's fine. I'll turn it back on here, you know, before I call tonight. Uh, let's see. Start with the list and just go down it until I feel like stopping, I guess, as per usual. Wayne White is going to be at the library at the uh, the reimagined exhibit, the more history museum style uh, exhibit of Wayne Arama that is there through the rest of the year. He will be in town from 6 until 8. That is a Friday on August 25th. This is a guy you should meet if you get the chance. It's free. From what I understand, it looks like drinks are free as well. They were at the opening reception of Wainarama. The drinks were free. I didn't partake, but they were there. And from what I understand, it is here as well. 6 to 8, Friday night, the 25th, meet Wayne White. I'm telling you, of all the people that we just lose our bleep over, Usher and Sam Jackson and, um, and Dennis Haskins, forget all that. Wayne White is a local legend and treasure, and you'll have the opportunity to meet him. If I'm going to talk bleep about Hamilton County Mayor Weston Womp every time he annoys me, I should bring it up when he does something I think is pretty cool. And he is doing what he's calling the tailgate tour, where he'll be showing up at high school football games and I guess kind of a meet and greet kind of thing. August 18th, 25th, the 29th of September, and October 6th. You can find it online with a quick Google search. Tyner at Red Bank, Udawa at Saudi, East Hamilton at Udawa. Maybe I'll even show up at one of those Udawa games. And uh, Chattanooga Prep at Hickson. So there you go. Something worthwhile from Hamilton County Mayor Womp. Uh, this, I put out a couple of questions to try to get answered just because I want to know for myself more than how much I truly care about the maybe politics of it. But Pride Fest is going to be at the Chattanooga Convention Center October 7th. Now, that is the same weekend as the Three Sisters Music Blue, Bluegrass Festival. And for many years now, as long as my memory goes back, I'm not sure how far that is, but as far as I can remember, that same weekend, Chattanooga Presents is the concessions and overall uh, production uh, manager of that event outside of the you know stage and rigs and lighting and all that. And they would share that space. And it would be the Bluegrass Festival on Friday and Saturday. And then Pride on Sunday. And the weather usually worked out. It usually is pretty cool. Sometimes it didn't. But generally speaking, in my memory, it does. And I thought that was a really cool dual event. Now, whether Three Sisters and the Pride organizers have anything at all to do with each other on that, I, I, I don't know. And I don't overly care at all. But it's not going to be taking place that way this year. It's going to be at the at the convention center. And I wonder why. That's it. I just wonder why. So I put a message to the Instagram page and to the Facebook page asking, is there a simple answer to this or is it more complicated? And um, either way, I would like to know. So far, I have heard nothing about that. Uh, if you are looking for the podcast in a new spot, which I'm sure you're not, I have now got this on Audible and Amazon, so I didn't realize it wasn't there. I didn't really think about it, so that's just on my list. Uh, let's see, what else? One year ago yesterday was the end of Better Call Saul. 
And the only reason I bring it up is because I have recently purchased Netflix again to rewatch the uh, series. And then I thought once I got done with that, I would just get rid of it. And then I'm realizing that Netflix is a fantastic uh, streaming service. And if it's $15, $16, $17 a month, I don't find that to be excessive. Uh, if I and I might do a, a full segment on this next week because I have a lot of these numbers pulled. It is um, especially with the writers and the uh, the the actors' strike going on. There's just a lot of information out there from the streaming and the over the air and everything else. But um, I plan on keeping Netflix, and then just when I get tired of Netflix, and I'll just find another one that's got some shows on I want to watch. I'm getting rid of this piece of crap direct TV stream. I'm getting rid of this garbage AT and T phone, and I'm cutting this damn these bills down. This is not. This is insanity, and it's my own fault. I'm not blaming anybody but myself. But I uh, also found the show, or not found. I already knew it. Black Mirror. I've talked about it on here before. I used the rejoin with my story of how I got damn near hacked. And, you know, really, if you missed it, it's pretty good. I don't have time to reset it. But I started it from the beginning. It's kind of like the Twilight Zone. It's very psychologically screws with you. But every episode is a standalone. So I don't have to worry about these damn shows and these amazing cliffhangers that make you at 12:15 at night when you're like or I'm like damn it it's time to go to bed but shit that looks so good I got to watch one more this show doesn't do that cuz they're all standalones and there's a lot of other series that do that that I might give a try but uh yeah I mean I guess you know who didn't know that Brian of course Netflix is good we all have known that for years well I didn't quite realize it until I started paying for it and then really paying attention to it Speaking of TV, though, here's another case of the here's all you got to do guy coming out of the woodwork on social. So I am finding it increasingly difficult to get any kind of real help with like handy dandy around the house, just real life stuff, things that it feels like we used to be able to be able to pick up a phone and call somebody to get done. I want an antenna installed at the house. I want to get over-the-air television. I won't bore you with all the problems I have. It's not as simple as, we'll just go buy an antenna. It's not that easy. It's not that simple. And I put it out on, on Facebook with the hopes of getting some help. And what did I get? A shitload of likes and like 30 to 40 comments. And most of them were not helpful at all. Some of them were. Some of them a little bit were. One was a lot. One not as much. And it's still, at the end of the day, I had no real understanding any more or less than I did when I went into it. And many of the responses were, just like with my lawnmower, you know, needing some service on it or whatever else it is. Well, here's all you got to do. Listen, I don't want to hear what all I got to do unless that I got to do consists of give me a ring. Here's how much it cost. And here's when I can get it done. That's the kind of response I was looking for, and I didn't get it. Uh, let's see. I'll do a Moon River preview segment coming up August 31st. I would normally do that a couple weeks out with the hopes of maybe pushing some ticket sales as I do have a media credential, so I don't have to do these kinds of things. But I do say that I will. It is somewhat of a kind of obligation plus it's fun i don't like to do it but since the tickets are sold i won't do it until the day before it starts i'll just spend one segment on that in a couple of weeks just giving you a heads up on that the sports authority that was created with this entire uh, development on the uh, the south broad district lookout stadium all of that expect me to spend lots of time on this anytime there's anything new i will be uh definitely focused on this story until its completion so this will be going for years now and the latest is maybe we'll have these bonds by year end maybe um there's a talk that in october there's a plan to walk the old foundry site with members of the sports authority and the city uh, and Weeks, a member of that board, says, I think this is an excellent idea. Uh, a lot of quotes here I highlighted I won't bore you with, but Jermaine Freeman, the uh, interim chief of staff, says, we think it will be a valuable exercise for this body to actually walk around and get a feel for the site, as a lot of it has been secluded and cut off. And really, this is not much of a story here, other than just to say they might walk the grounds in October and maybe get bonds by the end of the year. 
Um, it says here further on interim financing that they have approved $3.3 million that would come from, I guess, between the lookouts, the perimeter properties, the ownership of the of the of the property and the city that can basically just three million bucks ain't going to get you nothing. So it's basically just get people on site to kind of act like they're working. Um, if the ballparks costs come in higher than expected, this is from the Chattanooga Times Free Press, there will be a chance to value engineer the project and bring down the price tag to an affordable level, he said, once again, Jermaine Freeman from the mayor's office. Translation, cut the budget and not make it nearly as good as we said we were. I like, I like how they use the wording there. If the ballpark's costs come in higher than expected, there will be a chance to value engineer the project and bring down the price tag. You mean cut corners, cut costs, make it not nearly as cool as it sounded like maybe it was going to be. Just a couple more here, and I'll wrap up this segment and get to the final and wrap things up today. This uh, Janet Hines story, I was following this a couple years ago when we were doing the daily podcast with Jeff Stiles and Jen Lambert and... Uh, uh, Russell Stroud, the thing we did for almost a year, and this was kind of uh, in the news then as it was the the uh, the sentencing was coming down. This woman, Janet Hines, drunk, killed a police officer with her vehicle after leaving a bar, hit this guy in the middle of the night or whatever time of the night it was. A 38-year-old rookie officer, as a matter of fact, which is a very young age to be a rookie, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. She was sentenced to 11 years. She had, so the story quickly, she hits the officer, kills him. Then she drives home, parks the car, wakes up the next day and is like, holy shit, what happened? It kind of sounds like the beginning of one of these Black Mirror episodes. It actually is a terrifying story. The reason that at the time when I, you know, when it first was a story was many two, three years ago. And the sentencing was a year and a half, whatever years ago. And the reason I was always watching it is because I was like, my God, how many times did I drive home black? out menace to society put me in jail the rest of my life just disgustingly drunk where i could have done something and had zero recollection of it and woke up the next day to this horror to this just this this terrifying situation that this woman janet hines clearly it by all indications that's what happened no priors no, you know, issues with the law. She is middle-aged. I don't uh, quickly see an age, but she is not a young woman, but she's not a real old woman either. Um, but this is from the opinion of the court based on the appeal of the 11-year sentence. Quote, she struck the victim with such force that the victim rolled on top of her hood and his head struck the windshield, causing webbing and shattering of areas of the windshield. Although shattered glass was on the defendant's shirt and throughout the front interior of her vehicle and some of the victim's body tissue was near the steering wheel, the defendant did not stop but continued driving home. So that's going to get you locked up for the 11 years and they're not going to reduce that. And it is it is a heartbreaking story of by all accounts of somebody who just effed up so royally bad but other than that just lived a normal, regular life. And then she ends up in jail for 11 years because she was putting back shots of booze and just beer at a beer hall. You know, it wasn't like, it's not even a good story. You know, like I didn't even do anything amazingly fun. All I did was just get drunk. Oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Luckily, it's not something I have to ever worry about again. From because my behavior is just not to that level anymore, but it's always fascinated me if that's the right word. And a uh, couple, one man, let it, uh, let's wrap things up. There is a police shooting here locally. Quickly, uh, Roger Heard Jr., 34, was pronounced dead after being taken to a hospital following a shooting at the Speedway that's at Third and Holtz Claw just this past Saturday. It was a black man. And there were white police officers involved. Will this story pick up and be louder as time goes? We'll find out. I'm not sure. Uh, his mother asked, why aren't these officers suspended? And why is my child dead from a so-called traffic stop? Quickly, um, Celeste Murphy, the police chief, says they are cooperating with the TBI and have turned over all available evidence, including the footage and the, uh, the body cams. 
They say the police officers say heard that's the man that was shot and killed, got out of a car with a pistol. Multiple officers then fired their weapons and struck Heard. According to the agency, one of the police officers was also hit and taken and non-life-threatening injuries there. So there you go. That's uh, all I got. Running out of time fast. Coming up next, my trip to Helena, Georgia, and why I hate this band, Bloodkin, now when I thought I was going to love them going into it. I'll get to it. And wrap up the show next. Now back to more. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stoneonair.com. So with all the stuff going on in the world right now, I made a flow chart for myself to decide whether or not any of it matters. So when concerning any and all world events, do I still have to go to work tomorrow? And if that answer is yes, then it doesn't matter. And if that answer is no, then another question gets posed, which is, do I still need to pay my rent? And if that is yes, then it doesn't matter. And if that answer is no, then it matters. <laughs> Again, a rejoin that doesn't really make any sense. Songs used in the wrong order. Uh, this thing's so completely discombobulated. My, uh, my internal clock is so jacked up. I have far more time in this segment than I thought. A lot of times people ask me, you know, why do you care about the segments or the timing? Why don't you just go as long as you feel like? And it's my radio roots. It's just the way that I'm wired to put together these things. And in a 20-minute clock in my head, is a that's a long radio segment. That would be the longest radio segment of any hour. But I am, I'm kind of conditioned to just to know when 10 hits and when 15 after hits. And it's, all, it's already natural to me. And so then when I do one that's 30 minutes and I do one that's 10 and then one that's 16, and you know, then, I, then my, my internal clock goes haywire. And that's what's happened here. Uh, this is uh, Cracker and uh, one of the songs you would have known by them, Teen Angst, What the World Needs Now, maybe. Uh, it was the main reason for going down last week to Helena, Georgia. If you're here every week, you already know. I called it Helena all last week. It turns out it is Helena. It is spelled Helen with just uh, an A at the end. So I guess that makes more sense. But so um, more on the Bloodkin thing here in a minute. Um I decided to do this because I haven't seen the band Cracker in a long time, and as long as the weather looked like it was going to work out, which it did, I wanted to do something a little different. And I love just taking a day trip to go to especially old, cool cities in the South and do a little exploring by myself and or with somebody. I've, you know, I've done it in the past with others, but generally these days and in the recent past history, I've, I've done it by myself. And I find it to be a very relaxing, just a very nice day. And uh, this was no exception, no exception at all. All the complaining I'm about to do is not complaining because it was bad. It's just my, you know, my synopsis of this of the day. I had a wonderful time. Uh, other <laughs> driving through Alabama sucks. More on that here uh, on the back end on the drive home. The drive there was fine. Got there in no time. Plugged up a couple of a uh, podcast in, and uh, you know, two hours, two and a half hours is gone before you know it. He- uh, Helena is twenty minutes south uh, east. I think it's southeast of Birmingham. And I got there be- early before noon because I wanted to go to their market. It's the Helena Market Days or whatever, a farmer's market. The worst farmer's market I've ever been to. (laughs) Complete waste of my time and energy to try to get there in time. And because I was even like, oh, I got to hurry. I don't want to be late for the market. I don't want to miss it. Uh, Yeah, I would have been just fine missing this thing. I could have gotten together with just vendors I um, am acquaintances with. And if a third of them showed up in some Walgreens parking lot, I could have put on a better market than this was. This was terrible. I parked, walked around the lot. It was like in a church parking lot and walked right out. I mean, it had some jam and some honey and some bread and, you know, a few jewelry type things. And maybe for what they're used to, this was a nice little gathering. For me, it was, I'm used to one of the best markets in the Southeast, the Chattanooga market. So, um, I'm obviously uh, uh, comparing this to you know the the major leagues basically. So, but so then now I'm I'm there. It's not even noon yet. 
the show is not for six and a half to seven hours. Um, but okay, that's fine. I'll check out Old Town Helena, which is what this is called. This little square, this little area. And it is really cool for about two blocks, literally two blocks. And the rest of the town sucks. It's just residential. There's nothing. It almost looks like a movie set, the way that this is put together. If you think about like an old Western movie set, um, I don't know if you've ever seen anything like that online before, but I have. Kind of feels like that. Little bit manufactured. Um, and it, it's not that old because the Depression, the literal 1930s Depression and a tornado in 1933 took out the town of Helena and it was rebuilt after that. So nothing in the city is that old except for, you know, 1940s is old enough anyway. So for two blocks, it was really cool. And you get your fill of that in about 10 minutes, <laughs> quite literally 10 minutes. There was nothing. Um, there was just nothing worth doing. And so I am um, thinking, well, I got some time to kill. There's a beef O'Brady's right over here by this. It's, it's not a river. I wouldn't think I never looked it up. It's a stream, but it's a big ass stream. It's either the smallest river or the largest stream. Like a child would drown in this, but it's not very big. And it's got a little waterfall. It's kind of cool. And then it's got this building that doesn't look like your traditional, you know, outlet mall style bar like a Beef O'Brady's that we're used to. And I see the word Beef O'Brady's and I thought, well, at least there's a place where I can watch the Braves game, which is about to come on. And I go, I walk across the uh, the bridge over the little river stream thing and I go to this place and it is fantastic. It is the coolest little bar that just happens to be called a Beef O'Brady's. Um and it turns out at the exact time the Braves are playing the Mets, preseason Titans and Bears. And I wouldn't normally waste a second of my life watching a preseason football game, even, even the Titans. But since it was on, this was perfect. Had some tacos, watched both games, drank some uh, bitters and sodas, and uh, chatted with a couple of the locals. Nothing notable to remember. It was pretty dead and pretty dullard around there, but I had a nice time. Well, by the time that gets done around 3.30, I'm still, there's a lot of time to kill here. So then I went over to Hoover, and I went to a Goodwill, and I went to a, a record shop, which is a long, boring story. None of that was, you know, worth remembering, but that's how I killed the next couple hours. Then I come back to the show, all right? And I'll do this quickly. You guys know that I am very honest in my stories, no matter how embarrassing they might be. But there's a story I'm not going to tell from the what I thought was an all-female Foo Fighters tribute band. You remember how much time I spent on that? The quote-unquote all-female Foo Fighters tribute band. Okay, there's a story from that night. Now, don't let your imagination go too wild. It ain't that good of a story. But I'm not going to tell that one here, out in the open, because it could come across as insensitive. And there's a lot of people I like very well, much that are involved with that. So we're going to just stop right there. Uh, but this could come almost into that same kind of circle, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's this is important. This needs to be told. All right? So Cracker plays a show. It's great. It always is. There's no reason to spend any more time on that. This Bloodkin band, they opened the show. And I didn't know this until a couple of days before I left town. Or, and I, I guess I did know it, and I just didn't pay attention. And then I realized, holy shit, Bloodkin, they're Athens, Georgia-based. They are very much renowned in the music circles, especially of the Athens circle for the B-52s, REM, driving and crying, uh, uh, widespread panic, you name it. And, um, and widespread panic plays like literally double digit songs of theirs regularly in their catalog. And I knew they played at least two or three, but they played nearly a dozen of their songs. And so I started listening to a bunch of Bloodkin and I got really excited. I was like, this is awesome. I get to go see one of my favorite bands and I get to go see this band that is, you know, so instrumental in the, in the music making and the importance of another one of my favorite bands. Like, this is really awesome. And I'm letting all my Spreadhead Panic fan friends know, check this out, man. 
I'm going to see Bloodkin. And have you listened to this music? It's so good. Like, it jumps off the page immediately good. Like, you don't have to digest this and think about it. This is very, very good, fun music. And I get there, and I get there early, and there's nobody up front. Nobody knows who this band is. I don't know anything about this band. Turns out, one of the founding members and main songwriters who is involved with all the Panic members as much as anybody else in that band died. He had a stroke several years ago, close to a decade ago, and he died at the age of 56 in the last couple of years. I did not know that going into this show. But there was a female in this band. Now, I love females. I love female musicians. I love female guitar players. I love female singers. So at first, I'm not thinking anything of this. Hey, cool. Look, there's a female in the band. As a matter of fact, it probably didn't even completely register. Because I don't know who's in this band. I don't know anything about them. Except that I love the music and I can't wait. Because I know so much of it. If they play at least two or three that I know, I'm going to be incredibly happy. And they did play two or three that I knew. Two of which that I love. So you'd think, well, damn, Brian, you must have loved the show. You got two songs you loved. You got more than two that you knew. This is a great night, right? You're having a great time. You're getting a great experience. Crash. Back up. Beep, beep. Back up the truck. No. The woman in the band is named Betsy Franks. She is in Athens. Well, I don't know where she's from originally, but she spent a lot of time in Athens, Nashville. I did look her up and did a deep dive on who she is. She's got uh, relationships musically with Randall Bramlett and John Keane. If you know who they are, then you understand where this is all coming from. If you don't know, you don't care. All right, so she's not nobody. But she is singing, I would say, at least half the songs, if not almost 60% of lead vocals. For this band, Bloodkin, who doesn't have a single recorded song in the history of a 30-year-old band with a female singer. And I'm sorry, this doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. You see what I mean by some people might take this as being insensitive. I just want authenticity to the music. If I went, and I'm going to try to use small bands here and not like Fleetwood Mac... Or, uh, you know, whatever, massive, you know, well-known Hall of Famers or high album sales types. Veruca Salt. If I go see Veruca Salt and they play the song Seether amongst all the other songs, but the one biggest hit they have, the two, two main members of that band, Luis Post and Nina Gordon. And if Nina Gordon, who they didn't get along for a while, Nina Gordon left the band. And if some dude gets on stage and starts singing Seether... I'm not going to be okay with that, all right? If four non-blondes, right, the one song, What's Up, you know, the, I said, hey, what's going on, that song? If I go see four non-blondes, which is not an all-female band, there's dudes in that band, and somebody is singing that song, What's Up, and not the chick, the woman, the female who sings it, that's not going to be okay with me. Just just start mixing and matching and intertwining this argument over and over and over again. You see what I'm trying to do here. This was not an authentic bloodkin experience, and it frustrated me. And I'm not mad about it. I sound like I am. I'm not mad about it. I just, if, this, if they call themselves Betsy Franks and the Bloodkins, that would be fine. If they call themselves something else. If they had uh, featuring members of Bloodkin, the new band uh, Jumpin' Jimmies, whatever, that would be fine. They build themselves as Bloodkin, and they've never had a female lead singer before, and now not only do they have a female singing majority lead, she sang all the most popular songs. I'm sorry if that seems insensitive, doesn't sit well with me, and I wouldn't go see Bloodkin if they were playing in my backyard. I would go out and pull the plug and have the electricity turned off before I went out and watched that travesty, that absolute uh, a bastardization of, of a band that I was so excited to see. It didn't sound that good on top of that. 
Um, you know, if it had a male singer, I could have maybe done better with the fact it didn't sound great because, you know, they're old guys that are just trying to barely hang on. But it didn't sound great, and it didn't sound anything like I was hoping it would because a female doesn't sing those songs. And that is all. That's it. On the way home, oh, my God, driving back on uh, on 59... I didn't get home about 2 o'clock in the morning. Of course, having to come back from Central into Eastern is a bitch. And there was long stretches. No, absolutely no exaggeration. 10, 15, upwards of 20-some miles straight where I was the only car on the interstate. Where I had to set the pace, and it's kind of late, and I'm a little groggy, and I'm a little tired. You know, I'm very tired. I'm exhausted from a long day. And, you know, one minute I'm going 90, the next I'm going 65. Uh, the lighting on 59 is awful. Alabama is the most just aesthetically gross-looking state. Um, the, the reflectors on the, on, the, on the lines on the interstate, I mean, I was getting concerned just a little bit. Like, this is not good. Speaking of Black Mirror and the Twilight Zone-style programming, Huh, Jesus, it was not good, but it was fine. It was safe. I was, you know, it was, it was fine. It was a wonderful time, a wonderful experience, and uh, I saw whatever bloodkin that was left, and now I'm done. And I'll go out here with Trashy because it's a wonderful song, and I love you so much. Talk to you later. Have a great week. We'll do it again next week. Bye. We all